land, Drew. Yeah, I know. It's always weird revisiting planets from the TOS era. The TOS? It's what I call the 2260s. Stands for those old scientists. You know, Spock, Scotty, those guys. Seems like they were stumbling on crazy new aliens every week back then. Strange new takes. I'm your host, Notch Karnick, and with me are Adam Bowen, Emily Bowen Marler, and Rudy Kuspeka. Strange New Takes is a brand new Star Trek themed pod. We started out intending to cover Strange New Worlds, but yeah, it's going to be a while before that starts. And fortunately, there's so much new Trek to cover, so we started early. Today, we are super excited to bring you our Strange New Takes for the Season 1 finale of Lower Decks No Small Parts. But, 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 before we get there, we want to encourage you to follow us on social media. So that's at the rate Strange New Takes on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Also, make sure to tell your friends to listen to us. Um, we really love getting strange new listeners from all over the world, and your recommendations will get us there. Also, don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. I know you're thinking, like, iTunes, what's that? I've moved on now to Spotify. But hey, those iTunes ratings actually help podcasts appear in discovery lists. Basically, when someone's like, I need a new Star Trek podcast, and they type Star Trek into the podcast search, like 90% of the apps use the iTunes search engine. So if, you're, if you rate us, we get more listeners. You get more friends to talk about our show with. Because, you know, you do that, right? You do that as our listeners. You go out there and like, have you listened to the latest episode? We should dissect it. You know what? Let's have a podcast to talk about Strange New Takes and their episodes, which happened on Reddit this week. It was pretty startling. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) All right. Uh, And just as a heads up, uh, this episode, we are going to talk about uh, the season one finale of Lower Decks, which is no small parts. So... If you are just if you hate spoilers so much, I have no idea why you're still listening to this. You need to hit pause and then you need to go watch that episode and then you can come back. Or if you do not care at all and you're just a crazy person that just loves to spoil all the enjoyment for yourself for anything, we will do that for you in this episode today. Come and join us. So let's start with the episode summary, uh, which which doesn't have spoilers. So I'm going to give you a spoiler filled one. Uh, the USS Cerritos encounters a familiar an, an enemy, the Packlets, and has to survive their desperate situation with them. And Dendi recruit, helps a struggling recruit, an exocomp, find her footing on the ship. All right. Strange new takes, y'all. What y'all got? My strange new take is that I am a little sad that summer came back in the middle of fall. Why does that happen? I really was enjoying the fall weather of like being in the 60s and and it's like in the 80s and I was hot and sweaty today and no fun. And my strange new take, you all are going to laugh at me. It's going to reveal my age, but every show is made better by the inclusion of Riker and Troy, with the exception of... These are the voyages from Enterprise. That oh. was not improved. That was a <laughs> sham, disgrace, and spitting on the face of Star Trek Enterprise. But I liked it in this episode. <laughs> okay. 
Um, man, should I should I go there? I actually like these are the warges. Oh, oh, we're gonna have to hide. Ooh, you're gonna, you're uh, where Notch has not gone before. Yeah, let's take our, our podcast up to a left turn and just like. Oh, no, I just watched it and it reinforced how much I like five minutes of These Are the Voyages, and okay. that's it. <laughs> uh, we, I guess we can, we can someday do maybe a series on like the final episodes of each series, and like maybe that can be an avenue to discuss that. But yeah, I know it's hated in the Star Trek universe, mm. I mean, fandom, so. That's fair. Well, I think it's hated by the people um, who were the stars of Enterprise, too. And Brandon Braga hates that as well. So, um, okay. All right. Well, well, my strange (laughs) new take is that leaving pumpkins out is kind of, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of gross. Like, it can rot. It can ruin the, like, wood on your patio. I know it looks nice, but still, like, do you want that kind of risk? I don't. So I don't put them out. Maybe next year, though. We'll see. I feel kind of bad I didn't. But hey, my strange new take on the episode is that I didn't expect to see Riker and Troy back for another finale. Like, this is, I thought I'd forgotten about, like, I hadn't put these other voyages into the same (laughs) place as Picard. Because I was like, this just happened in Picard. But now, okay, guess what? It happens in that one, too. And I don't know, is this just going to be like the new Star Trek tradition that Riker and Troy have to show up like Discovery Season 3 in the final episode? Hey, what up? <laughs> Titan came back 32nd Century 2. How y'all doing? We're here to um, defeat that enemy that you're so worried about. Yeah, the ban is actually Riker and Troy. They made the ban happen. So I, I don't know. That's my strange new take is that that's what Star Trek is going to be every time now. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a strange new take um around uh, covid but not you give me another one that is also kind of around covid but halloween so how's how's halloween gonna work right um i've heard all these interesting it shouldn't but i've heard all these interesting theories around these long (laughs) pipes in which people (laughs) drop candy and and kids pick him up and, and there's some weird stuff about spraying candy with isopropyl which doesn't sound right um so yeah um i'll just leave it at that um and the the episode i think i think all i'm gonna say is boims finally got the better of mariner so oh yeah for the win i always was uh you know backing boims and I just loved how the episode ended. Those like last ten seconds, he was so in control. All right, that's me. Okay, so I guess that re- brings it back to me, and I need to think of a real life strange new take, which I never remember to prepare for until it becomes my time. <laughs> so here we go, everybody. My strange new take is that I uh, you should. Uh, okay, so something that we've been doing uh, lately is we, ch- whenever we are chopping up vegetables and we have like those weird little ends of like, I don't really know what to do with this, we throw that thing into a freezer bag, uh, put it in the freezer, and then we will turn it into stock X number of weeks into the future. However, I will say, maybe don't put jalapenos and other spicy things in there because uh, we just made some hot and spicy minestrone soup yesterday <laughs> and... It's good, but I don't know if that's if that was supposed to happen. I there there, there are such a thing. There's such a thing as a culinary mistake. So I well, I mean it's it's good enough. We'll we'll keep doing it, but it's a weird one, folks. Okay, so for the episode, 
uh, I'm just going to say, I think something that I really appreciate about Strange New... Uh, nope. Uh, that's the name of our podcast. Uh, the thing that I appreciate about Lower Decks uh, is that it's giving us opportunity to poke holes in uh, the representation of Starfleet that we've seen throughout Star Trek. There are a lot of things that uh, are either hypocritical or don't make sense, or we just kind of, we wave, wave it on and it's, and we, we just don't worry about it too much. But um, some things like the uh, Starfleet's policy of some intervention is uh, kind of, like, I, I imagine there's some great DS9 episode that like gets into it and whatnot, but like for the most part, it's like, it's always that we can break the prime directive as long as it's our favorite captain doing it. Uh, we can, uh, yeah, like maybe we have some like interpersonal dynamics happening in episodes, but we never hear a lot of criticism of Starfleet as a whole. Picard got into that for sure, but um, I do I like how Lower Decks is able to sort of uh, give us another look at at things, and uh, yeah, just it makes me think a whole lot, and it's a weird thing to be watching a cartoon and be like, oh, and then have a lot of philosophy going on in your head for a while. Let's jump into that with uh, with story and writing. And I actually had some of this Starfleet stuff later on. I'm going to punt it to our next episode, actually, which is about, which is a review of the season one of Lower Decks. I think this is a bigger topic For sure. um, that I think a bunch of the sh- new shows are addressing. But I, I want to talk about it more in the sense of the entire season rather than just this episode. But I will also call out. So you, you mentioned the some interventions line. And then in the end of the episode we have that Starfleet good at observing, bad at maintaining. Mm-hmm. We can't just assume people are going to do the right thing a generation down the road, which is another theme of this episode. You see the Exocomp mm-hmm. uh, has has kind of... They, they finally show up again after TNG's quality of life, and they've become... Well, the one we meet is kind of a dick. And then um, <laughs> you, you've got the Packlids who've become basically the Romulan mining ship from Star Trek 2009. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you've got uh, the Beta 3 people who are back to listening to Landrew, the computer. So, um, and I think you can also apply that to Starfleet. Because mm-hmm. it's a generation after the next generation, right? Like that's mm-hmm. perhaps, and and the same thing has happened. Is that maybe Starfleet was the way it used to be mm-hmm. viewed by fans back in the days of like Next Generation, Voyager, DS Nine, but now things are different, and and they aren't doing maybe the right thing anymore, and that's what we saw in Picard. So anyway, yeah, sure. I, so that that was kind of an interesting line in the, in the context of all the different themes in this episode. And when I put it to Starfleet, I was like, whoa, these guys, it got real meta real quick. You know, this actually makes me think of um, like Starfleet being like the United States of America. So uh, mm-hmm. people have this really idealized vision of what the United States is and and operate as though that's what the United States actually is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we start peeling back some of the layers and taking a look at how some things actually were accomplished or, you know anyway some of the really ugly sides of the united states we don't want to look at that you know we want to then go back and insist that no anti-racism courses be 
um, given to any federal contractors or anyway, but that's yep. digressing. But you know, but but I, I yeah. Anyway, I I'm kind of seeing that happening in our country. Also, people don't mm-hmm. want to mm-hmm. they don't want to look at that. They want to think about the idealized beauty that they have in their mind rather than um, than really digging down and taking a look at at what the reality is. Well, and to get meta get better again. by doing that. To, to, to get meta again, we're the way that history is re-examined, or that seems to be something that over the last 10 years has become more, the things that we apply to, like ancient history, which is like, oh, here's what we've been told, but maybe we need to read it in between the lines. That kind of stuff has been happening to more recent history, um, with some of the change in perceptions of folks like Christopher Columbus, for example. Mm-hmm. But you can apply that to TOS, right? Those old scientists. You can, <laughs> you can. There are several really weird, problematic episodes of Star Trek back then. There's, you know, we talked about Code of Honor. So you can apply the same logic to real life Star Trek, not just Starfleet, but like going yeah. back and rethinking how we view some of these old episodes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, that's an interesting viewpoint, though, that has many layers. I, mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, and and again, maybe we'll dive into. Um, a lot of this in in the series recap, but that that balance between being um, interventionist as angels from above, and on the on the flip side of the coin, um, following the prime directive to the letter in in not interfering no matter what, um, also is a mirror to um, our history in the last. 50 to 100 years, right? And if you go back to the United States um, in in how it's viewed by the rest of the world. So our, our yeah. policy is always intervention, always. <laughs> yeah, but there's, there's, there's been, there's been a drive towards look inward, inward more. And is that the right thing to do? And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying that I actually, actually had a lot of notes around this and I kind of, I'm going to hold because not said next episode. So, um, okay. but yeah, I think Emily, you covered a lot of what I was, what I was um, thinking about as well. Well, so, I think there's a lot of space to do that in the, as a season recap, you know, so that'll be, that'll be great. Uh, it's good. Next episode's going to be real fire. That's going to be a great right. So you all are going to want to stay tuned. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, get, get pumped, everybody, and <laughs> listen to that next episode. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so, so the big thing that happens right at the beginning of this episode is the secret is finally revealed. Uh, Captain Mommy giving Captain Mommy kisses is is brought up right away. Uh, everybody now knows Mariner and Freeman are related and that the admirals are dead. So... What did y'all think about that? I'm sorry, it was lost to me because I think one of the biggest writing wins of this entire series is the panic reactions of Boimler. <laughs> the way he reacted when he materialized in front of the captain. I just it just all like it fell apart for me and <laughs> But but yeah, I mean I mean for me we had we had all these theories about you know this mystic background to, to to Mariner, and maybe we'll get a little more into it in terms of character development. But um, it almost seems like the reason for keeping it quiet was very simple, very you know relatable to current day life, right? Like mm-hmm. she didn't want to be um, she didn't want to be in the limelight. She 
um, wanted to be a little bit of, um, you know, Ensign Rowe or Tom Paris um, and, and not have the focus on her all the time. So it, it was just that, I guess. And, and, and that's why she was not, uh, not keen on, on being um, revealed as who she was. I, we always thought that there's some deep, at least I did, deep dark secret and maybe we'll find out next season. But um, it, it was a simplistic reveal to me and I, it, was, it, was, it was okay. It made sense to me. I was kind of not stressed out, but I felt for Mariner and Freeman mm-hmm. in that moment. I was like, oh, oh my God. Oh, really? Oh, it's happening this way where everyone is finding out all at once. Because like, that just sucks. Like, <laughs> it's bad enough when someone finds out your secret, but when they find it, it's like, you know, they do that on shows all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Where you accidentally hit the intercom and it goes over the whole school sound system, you know? <laughs> and everyone yeah. gets to <laughs> But I mean, so it. I thought it... Um... So honestly, I didn't even realize, and maybe that's maybe that was purposeful on their part. I didn't even realize that that was a thing that was secret. It when it was like it was kind of revealed in the past ep- or last episode, and I was like, oh, I guess it was a purposeful secret, and that nobody knew this. But I I kind of didn't. It, it was like a, a twist that I didn't realize we were needing a twist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think that they handled it effectively in this episode, and I I liked how it drove um, a lot of the how I was interpreting scenes later on. Like, I I thought that we had a very strong chance that Freeman was going to die in this episode and that that would be the resolution of this would be, uh, like, maybe Mariner is shot up the ranks because uh, she can sort of fulfill that role and there's also no worries about, like, nepotism or whatever anymore because her her mom died. But... um, we we didn't end up end up going that way, but uh, I don't know. I I think they they used it effectively, and it sort of drew more of the story out in interesting ways because they revealed that to everyone this episode. I think the treatment of it in previous episodes, or I think this might be on the on the audience, right? Like we just mm-hmm. assumed that it was going to be some sort of big deal, mm-hmm. and I don't think it was as big a deal, like. But maybe some of that is on the writers too, because in the la- uh, last episode you had the like whole thing about I don't know what I'd do if anyone find out. I'd probably like oh, yeah. kill them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> court martial them out of existence. Right, and 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 so it was it was kind of made out to be this huge deal, and maybe that's a human tendency, right? Like we all think it's these little secrets that we have are going to be much bigger problems mm. than they actually are. Mad Men mm-hmm. did this in its first season. Spoilers, um, and so. Maybe this is one of those things. Uh, so, but but I did see some some dissonance between how I thought it was gonna go and how kind of low key it actually was in in the way it was treated. Uh, finally, when it was revealed, now they actually had that a little allusion to that in the episode where they said like, "Why do we keep this a secret anyway? I just wanted yeah, to fly yeah. under the radar. <laughs> I didn't want anyone to know the most demerited officer in Starfleet was my daughter." So. We found out a little bit about Mariner. We, we, we still don't know what happened, like what caused all those demerits. So I'm now wondering if that secret, whether I should lower my expectations for what that is, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I don't know. But uh, now, I joked about this earlier, but this was Star Trek 2009's kind of conceit, right? Ship beams into a mm-hmm. debris field and there's this like massive, all-powerful ship that just like overpowers everything and the turn on that trope was that this time the villain isn't like 
you know, this Romulan from the future who's like really angry and has all these like deep reasons for his hatred that are explained in the comic, annoyingly not included in the episode or in the movie in yep, detail. Yep. But anyway, um, instead it's the Backlands. The ship won't go. It doesn't go. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, I, I wanted to ask you all what y'all thought about that that decision by the writers to, to turn that whole mega villain trope on its head yeah i uh, it, it was interesting because I, I um it's sort of like because like when the moment that we saw the sun like uh lighting up the hall and like having those those like the hall of the solvang looked red and and then sort of the cinematography going on i was already sort of in the back of my mind like feeling 2009 and i guess i i wanted to get into those those feels because uh uh my honest opinion is that that's like maybe the best five minutes of Star Trek that have ever been, uh, at least in terms of like uh, getting to see impact. like the the ethics and the emotional impact and the like just everything that I that I wanted of Star Trek was there. Um, I cry every time. It's so yeah, good. it's it's it, it's intense. But uh, it's I I think it was weird because it, that kind of set me up to like have some feelings, but for the most part, it was just like wow we just went in a really dark place like we just killed all those people i don't know that i'm like yeah uh captain dayton is a hero or or like I, it was just sort of like wow that like, really dang. sucks <laughs> yeah yeah and it, it uh uh yeah i, I so I, I don't know like i appreciate i guess uh you, like you said sort of flipping it on its head in terms of like the the character trope but it kind of made me feel things that I don't know was entirely their intention. I don't know. Did you, did, Rudy, did you think that the horror was kind of where they wanted you to go? I mean, uh, I think they were, they were playing towards that whole, if you let something be, I mean, they were trying to build up towards if you let something be, and if you let it fester, it's going to come back right over a generation and, and, and trouble you, which is again, mm -hmm. the mirror her back to um, uh, reality that we live in um, but um, I it, it did get me worked up right I think again if I look back through all the episodes this is the first this is the only episode that has had mass casualties in terms of Starfleet officers across the board right and we'll talk about lead characters later but um, I, it caught me by surprise and and the way that 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 the Solvang sort of disintegrated while as they were going to warp that that did get me so um well did everyone die in moist shot. vessel i can't remember what happened to that second uh, no, no they, they, got they were out. Be they were beamed out okay. into the into the other ship the yeah. ship. oh it yes almost, yes it was now it wasn't quite the same shock and i can't maybe i can't remember if this is the name of the episode the enterprise episode where um it appears as though enterprise shot something into a planet's atmosphere that disintegrated its atmosphere and everyone on the right. planet died. Like, I can't remember, is it Aftershock? Or, I can't remember what episode mm. it is, but it was one of those, like, it's the teaser of the episode and everything's right. just kind of going along and then they do something and this horrific result ensues mm -hmm. and you're like, whoa, damn, what just happened? That's kind of how I felt. Not quite to the same extent because, yeah. I, you know, but, um, but still, I kind of felt that way in this. It's like when... You know, she's like, go to warp. And then it was just like oh, silence. You know, it was like, yeah. ooh, that was pretty 
I don't know. And yeah. I think they were driving. You're, by the way, I, just real quick, that is Shockwave, the season one finale of, of Enterprise. So. Yeah. And, and it, it looks like they were trying to set set the Cerritos up for some really smart, um, um, you know, maneuvering and decision making, right? Because when you're, when you're caught up in that shock, um, in a movie, when you see the Cerritos coming in and then Ransom's like, let's go to warp. And the captain's like, no, you're with the captain, right? Even mm-hmm. this is a cartoon, but you're with the captain. is like, oh, she's thinking through it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I haven't felt that through a Lower Decks episode before. I'm, I'm looking at it from above. Um, I, I think we mentioned it in a previous uh, episode, looking at it above with a smile. But here I was in with it, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. they're trying to, solve the situation and and um, it was it was exciting it was involving i think the the intro to that's to the uh, solvang getting destroyed with showing uh, captain dayton kind of being this idiot who makes uh, officers remove their shoes and like doesn't want to peel the plastic that helped me that helped couch the next scene a little bit for me where it was i i don't know i it 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 hit me but not quite to the extent of say like mm-hmm. watching mariner shoot her colleagues or anything like that mm-hmm. um we're not gonna go back there no reddit <laughs> don't yeah. start typing we're no, not going it, there ne- next episode we promise we'll have uh 45 minutes extra of <laughs> just for that just for that um, but yeah we, we get to see captain dayton being kind of an idiot again after mm-hmm. the last time so she's kind of shown as this incompetent captain. So my takeaway after that was like, wow, she caused this to happen to her crew by not paying attention the way Freeman did later in the episode where the clamp was on the nacelle. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I will say, getting back to the backlids real quick, it's it's an interesting choice to bring back. I, I mean, I guess if I was writing Lower Decks and I was a huge TNG fan, that is one of the things I would probably want to do with like, it would be on my like bucket list of things I want to accomplish. It's like put the backlids back in some way. And the decision to, I think, make them this like mega villain is kind of a natural thing to do, right? Like they've been a joke the whole time. Let's mm-hmm. let's have fun mm-hmm. with that. So um I I also like I like your Adam, your your take on like it that hearkening back to something we've already seen in Star Trek brings some of those emotions again. And we we got that, right? Like we got the Kelvin mm-hmm. and we got the Enterprise. Like we didn't get uh the the Pakistani actor who played the Kelvin captain, oh, who yeah. uh, who went over to to the Romulan ship that would have been cool. But anyway, Robao, uh, Robao, <laughs> yeah, yeah, those weird names. Anyway, <laughs> but we had Rubido, so maybe Robao Rubido, you know, that was Dayton's <laughs> yeah, old yeah, ship, the Rubido. So, yeah, uh, Rudy, you talked about Boimler's twist, and you, I want to talk about that for a second because the way you put it was that. Boimler finally gets one on Mariner. Did the rest of you feel that way too? That wasn't when when Rudy described it that way. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting way to look at it. Because that, that wasn't how I, was I experienced for him. it. But yeah. yeah, because I was like rooting for him, and I think Diana was also um, calling this out in multiple episodes. And Mariner always gets the. the the best, the right thing at the end, right? Um, mm-hmm. This episode, this season ends with her going on a rant um, and, and trying to, you know, dial a bo- boiler on the pad where he's just going on another cool mission. So, yeah, 
so yeah, I mean, it, it, it was good from you. How'd you, how'd you see it? Sorry, Emily, did you see it? Well, no, I just, I like, I just kind of took it that, I mean, ultimately it shows that Boimler is more interested in his career than he is in his friendships. Whereas I think Mariner is more interested in her friendships than in her career. Mm. And I'm not necessarily making a value judgment, but it's, the, I just, I feel like it, it kind of showed the difference between the two of them. For sure. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, that was the thing that was motivating uh, her sort of like realization of like what's important to her in Crisis Point was like her friends, her ship, her crewmates. Like that's like why she's doing any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I don't exactly know how I, how I felt about it. it for, for me, it uh, the whole introduction of the Titan felt strange so so that i for the last part of the episode i was kind of just distracted by all of that and didn't have much time to think about like how the character arcs were working between like uh boimler and mariner uh but yeah Let, let's talk about the titan right like the the the, the Riker. you know i joked about this a little bit earlier kind of it was like a half joke because i i really do wonder now if that's just gonna yeah, be I... something that the writers pull every time just because it's <laughs> funny uh it's kind of a meta commentary but the decision to bring Riker back as... Because it wasn't tr- truly necessary, right? Those three other Packlet ships didn't need to beam in. Like, they could, mm. the end of the episode could have just been the one ship is defeated, all right, Cerritos is taken back to dry dock. And, and you could have had, like... Boimler could have gone on to any other ship, right? Mm-hmm. So this was this was basically them bringing back legacy characters to give the fans a little gift at the end i guess um i don't know if y'all see that the same way if you see that there's some reason to have that happen the way it did they've been talking about the titan i mean that was his dream his dream promotion would be to serve on the titan so they kind of been planting the seeds for that throughout the series right um and then also they and they did say at the beginning of the episode now granted that's because they intended for the titan to come in at the end of the episode but they said at the beginning of the episode the only other ship that was within range was the titan so we already knew the titan mm. was nearby mm. um well but it makes sense because i mean so for those of us who were really following along with the tng movies we knew that riker was going to be was being promoted to be the captain of the Titan. You know mm-hmm. they have a whole book series on him. I haven't mm-hmm. read them, but I know they have it. Um, but that's not any something we've ever gotten to see on screen. And this is absolutely the era that Riker would be flying around in the Titan doing his missions and stuff. So it's kind of fun to see that. Yeah, and and again to your point, Notch, if they hadn't got those three ships in, right, um, it would have been a good ending, but. For me, just for a second, when they did get those three ships in, I hadn't caught the Titan bit. So I almost thought, like, okay, this is the season finale. Mm-hmm. There's no way they're getting out of this. So are we seeing a full destruction of the Cerritos and somehow people straying away in escape pods and that's where the next season picks up? Best of both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but then the three ships came in and then it went back to, okay, it looks like the Packlers just didn't have one ship that has sort of destroyed 30 other ships, but there's three more. So that's like, what, a hundred ships? Like what, what has Starfleet been doing? Have they been avoiding, like, have they been oblivious to this whole thing going on? Right? Like, so it was, it was, it was a little confusing. Yeah. That's another hole in Starfleet that got, you know, poked in there. I will say that the whole Riker Titan thing was a little bit cheesy and it was, uh, it it was it, it just it it was 
it was very fan servicey in the way it was treated in the episode. And I yeah. loved it. Right. <laughs> it was just, and that's okay, right? Like that was that was yeah. It's it's right. Like we got to hear the TNG theme and everything. Like I just want to see a world though in which like Jane Wave comes in with Voyager and you hear the slower yeah, theme, ba 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 ba, as like it destroys a ship. Maybe that's what every season of Lower Deck should end with another previous ship yeah, coming yeah. in. <laughs> coming in and, de- and defeating the enemy like with the music playing i, I honestly i um i kind of didn't like the this ending i i think maybe part of it was uh, it was coupled with uh, <laughs> uh i'm old enough now i don't need to be owned or not <laughs> we don't live in the same house anymore uh the the um let's see uh, for for me like, I think, I don't know if some of it is just because we kind of just saw this exact same ending in Picard, uh, where it, I don't know, I can't remember what that ship was that he showed up in, but it was, like, basically the Titan. Uh, at the time that I saw it, I was like, oh, well, that's the closest thing we'll get to seeing, like, Riker as a captain or whatever. But um, it, I, I, I don't know, like, it, even down to things like the the animation seemed like the style was so completely different with the Titan. Like it, it almost felt like they had a different crew, like making a different animated series, like animate the Titan. And then, the, then we just went to like the way that everything else looks with the Cerritos. I, I it, it felt so disjointed to me um, that I, I kind of just was, I, that's why I said I was just distracted. The last part of the episode is just uh, thinking about that. See, I've always thought that the ships and the space stations in Lower Decks almost look photorealistic. Like, they mm. almost look for sure, like for they sure. do on the actual, like, the live-action shows. And so I didn't find the Titan to be that. I, I found the Titan to be that as well. And I feel like the Cerritos looks that way, too. The Cerritos looks nice from the outside. Inside is where they have it have be stained and yeah. show, like, it's run down and stuff. But um, but I've always been... I'm Every time they open... Like, sometimes the first shot in episodes of Lower Decks, it's like, that almost looks like it could be a live-action Star Trek episode mm-hmm. just because you, as long as they don't have the characters in it, obviously sure, the characters sure. are going to be a dead giveaway, but I've always found that interesting how beautifully the ships are drawn in lower decks. Hey folks, I'm going to say we should take a quick break at this point. We shall return with character development and our ratings. Red alert! A Packlid party and I wasn't invited? <gasps> About time you showed up, Will. Mariner, this makes us even. You know Riker? Yeah, who do you think hooks me up with all my contraband? Dude is flush with Romulan ale and... I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, We're still in red alert. Target those ships and fire. We're talking about this later. Welcome back to Strange New Takes. We're going to talk about character development now. I was going to dedicate an entire section to Landru and his growth as a character, but uh, (laughs) we can maybe move on (laughs) and talk about Mariner. (laughs) Uh, who, again, doesn't eat after seven. Like, that was, I think, the moment in this episode that I want to focus on for about 30 minutes and talk about <laughs> that uh, intermittent fasting. What about fasting. the personal use of tribbles? I don't know yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. That is, is that, maybe that's what she's eating before seven, right? Oh. Yeah, we, we had a, a, we've seen lots of great advertisements for the nutritional value of tribbles, so. I guess there so. Yeah, there's... <laughs> It's something to be said for it. Um, why call why call eating personal use? But yeah, okay. 
<laughs> what is she using this trouble for? I have I no idea. Cleaning mirrors? Like, shh, 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 shh. I don't know. Anyway, keep going. Adam, you, I think you had a serious point. Uh, no, I was going to disagree and say that uh, right before I go to sleep, I have a, a bowl of ice cream every single day of my life, and it's a game changer. Nice. Very so, nice. Okay. You are your after grandfather's seven. grandson. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. There... The, there is, I think, a theme in this episode. Not I think. I know that there's a theme in this episode of, like, Mariner is a required quantity, which is one of the things I think they brought up in the first episode of the series as well, that her going, you know, her ability to do something that is not officially sanctioned or, like, it's not by the book is a good thing. And... I mean, we had it referenced directly. Like, do what you do best. I need a dangerous half-baked solution that breaks Starfleet codes and totally pisses me off. That's an order. So, I think this is the show patting Mariner on the back and saying, like, not only do you not need to change, we need you not to change. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. It's just, I when I, when I heard that, I immediately thought that, isn't that what any anybody of an officer caliber in Starfleet should be able to do? I mean, are are, are the is the rest of Starfleet just a bunch of drones and and because you're you're gonna they're a bunch gonna, of execops. Yeah, who <laughs> like chicken? That's racist. And... <laughs> yeah, so I was I was I was a little I was a little confused there, uh, but what I did like is in here's where anime is amazing, right? When when Mariner realizes that her way to get out of the limelight is to get onto the Sacramento, so she, you know, literally in half a second she changes her appearance, right? Um, mm -hmm. That looks good on on anime because it, it was a completely different look in front of Boimler, um, and apparently, technically Boimler is senior to her. What does that mean? Like because she's demerited lower than him, she she mentioned that right. right. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't. That too. I I didn't quite know what that meant since it. Yeah, he's not like lieutenant junior grade until the end of the episode. Yeah, so. Yeah. So but yeah, maybe I there's mean, a seniority thing of like when you technically join a crew or I don't know. Mm, like tenure or something like that. Yeah. yeah. But but anyway, so I I I feel not to to your question. I I feel that. Yeah, it it is a pat on the back, but. I didn't think that was something unique to Mariner. I thought that was a part of um, Officer Caliber and Starfleet. But yeah, we, we're talking about so many mm -hmm. things that we're not sure about Starfleet. So, yeah. So you mean like the need to think outside the box? Yeah. 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 At least like, especially uh, 2009 Kirk is like Captain uh, think outside the box and like don't care about any regulations at all. Like mm -hmm. absolutely break every single rule that Star Trek has, including ones that should get you kicked out but then get uh, repeatedly put into the captain's chair <laughs> of the flagship. And Mariner ends up in the captain's chair, so. Yeah, 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 she does. yeah for a bit, yeah. I mean, did you notice her face during that? Like, everyone else was cheering after the, um, I don't know if it was when the Titan came, whatever, she's sitting in the in the captain's chair, and then something, oh, I think it's when, um, when they see that the shuttle comes back and everyone's cheering, mm -hmm. and she's just sitting in the chair with kind of a small smile on her face, but she didn't join in in the cheering, and anyway, I just, I just found that interesting, it just stood out to me, that was, that seemed a little bit uncharacteristic for her. Maybe it was kind of the, the weight of command, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and... 
Yeah, I, I, it was it was kind of interesting to see her go from the, the most demerited officer in Starfleet to being in command of a starship. Um, maybe in, in the next episode, we'll have like Mariner's daughter starting a fight in the bar and then Pike comes in. Your mother was in charge of a starship for five seconds and she saved like hundred some lives. Like, did you, I challenge you to do better? Um, but anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's I, I did catch that whole like, Mariner feels like the characters who used to be the captains, right? Like this was Janeway, this was Kirk. Like they, you know, Cisco has been kind of out of outside the box, like doing what needs to be done and, and justify like the means. Literally a god now, so that's as outside the <laughs> right. box as you get. <laughs> I mean, that's I I can't wait for Cisco God Cisco to show up in uh, in. Oh, Lower he's Decks. definitely going to show up. I yeah. yeah. So let, let's let's uh, also Mariner stashes contraband around the entire ship. Also was duped into buying a Spock helmet. Um, yeah. That, that, that was a <laughs> deep cut. Yeah, I, I love that. That was hilarious. Um, Boimler fences, because when he finds all that contraband, Boimler mm. picks up the fencing a la Sulu. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, Rudy, Boimler gets one on Mariner, but he also, I feel like, it's kind of a twerp in this episode like he has that moment in the fight where he's like i was just i always apply but then you know i think if i got it i would miss you and like it would feel so bad but at the end he's just like he doesn't even like respond to her he's just like yeah it's just somebody i used to know like you know that song about that is playing in the background really annoying song (laughs) uh and uh yeah he he kind of comes across as a little uncaring Am I being too hard? Yeah, I I kind of want him to just immediately fail uh, in episode one, like <laughs> yeah, uh, of the Titan, like yeah. embarrass himself absolutely in front of uh, Riker and Troy, and uh, yeah. <laughs> in terms of what happens next, right? As we, whenever we cut into in this episode on on what we think where the uh, series will go in the next season, that is such a such a possibility, right? He has an amazing. Uh, fall from the heights that's that's comical um but but again i'm not to your point he he did he has shown that um uh, growth is important to him because he does admit that he's always been applying to the sacramento right so Mm -hmm. he's he's been meaning to move on but then again to your point he also says that he um was sad um because he really thought Mariner could make it and then they would be separated. So it's like a little bit of back and forth. He's he's wanted to move on, but he never thought it would really happen. But when Mariner went for it, he was like, okay, this is going to be more of a reality. But when he got it, he just went ahead. Um, yeah. Dwarf, I agree. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, I... I th- yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, how we can, like, encapsulate Boimler's growth in this episode, but it really just comes down to that twist at the end and and him getting promoted and becoming kind of cool, almost, with the way he was talking to these other officers who mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, I've been to Telgana 4, you haven't, how lame. Like, that's, you know, that's kind of the, the subtext of what he was saying about the Andorran district bar or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, let, let's talk about Tendi. And I I think this is the episode where I think I picked up on something and I want to ask y'all if I picked up on on the right way of analyzing that thing which is and I think it's the most obvious version is the peanut hamper uh name but then when I went back and watched the episode I saw it happening a whole bunch of other times too Tendi sees something that she doesn't like 
but is not willing to admit to it and makes up like a really good, like, ah, that's awesome. This is great. And like, it happens a couple other times in this episode too. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because part of me wonders like if she's just not willing to accept that things are bad sometimes, that could be not so great for her mental state. She needs therapy. Yeah, I... I, I, well, which, I think wait, wait, that, which therapy though like holodeck the yeah she needs no, to no. murder all of her co-workers yeah i mean i think that would clearly uh. that would clearly fix it and she would do she would just be so much better for that no no i was thinking that's kind of like when you stuff that stuff down that's not that's not healthy like those things kind of explode have a way of exploding out somehow um like i was surprised i shouldn't have been surprised but the way she reacted to rutherford's uh memory loss you know <laughs> Oh, do you know what this means? And then, like, oh, we get to become best friends. I'm like, oh, girl, right. you need to, <laughs> you need to, like, recognize that not everything is the best. <laughs> the glass is always really full, no matter what happens, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, it, it kind of connects back to uh, what is unfortunately, I, th- I think, probably still my least favorite episode uh, this season, uh, Moist Vessel, where uh, we, 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 we got we explored that part of her personality where she, she cannot accept something being bad. Like she can't accept that she somehow ruined someone's ascension. And, uh, and then they had the weird side plot of like, Oh, it was, it was on purpose or whatever. But um, regardless, I I think that there, there is something uh, interesting about her character where she, yeah, she, like you said, she can't accept bad things or like, if something seems bad, she has to pretend to love it or, um, but I, I, I don't know. I She feels like one of the more complex characters to me, mm-hmm. even though they try to kind of play her off as like uh, all surface and just like super enthusiastic and loves everything. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I hope that, that we dig into that deeper in season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There needs, it feels like something that needs a little bit of a reckoning at some point, you know, mm-hmm. where you can't do that anymore. But uh, let's talk about Rutherford, who gets his implant torn out. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Talk about, like, you know, you mentioned that scene where, like, you know, the horror at seeing the Solvang getting destroyed. Like, that yeah. was the part where it was like, ah! You know? Yeah. Um, and his memories were on it, which now makes me wonder if the stuff that we saw with this character through the series if that's gonna you know maybe we can talk about this in the recap episode but if that's gonna remain with us but also in this episode rutherford was the hero like he saved them all yeah mm-hmm. which yeah. us. yeah so so two things there right so one of one of the only episodes where mariner is not physically involved in the final solution to yeah in 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 saving the ship but um in in addition to that um rutherford it's almost like the writers are potentially um, attempting to clean the slate, right? Maybe and this is what I was talking about earlier in terms of um, maybe the whole second season is not written, even though it was funded across, right? And they may feel that the whole half implant Rutherford is not doing him justice. So this gives them an opportunity to rewrite that whole character and the relationship with Tendi. And, mm-hmm. and they start from scratch. So it looked like a hard turn on 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 the writer's part that may not have been thought out if somebody was thinking across a two story, uh, sorry, two season arc. What what do you guys think? Well, it's I almost I like think it's reactive. I, 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 like the the one thing that it made me think of is um, it seems like there's a rule in TV shows where uh, 
you can have your characters look like they're going to get into a relationship, but they must never get in a relationship. And uh, anytime it seems like that might happen, you need to ruin it somehow. So like, uh, I, I feel like there has been an arc where like, uh, where, like we know that uh, Rutherford thinks Attendee is cute. And we, we, we have seen like mm-hmm. sort of similarity with that on, on both sides of them. Um, and so I, I kind of just interpreted it as like, okay, it, they're getting a little bit too close like let's ruin it somehow so that we can then tease it more like towards the end of season two and then we'll ruin it again somehow because one of them will betray the other and then in season three they'll actually get together but then it turns out that that ruins everything and then season four and then later on season seven we end the series where they get married or whatever but like like friends yeah yeah but i i feel like so many shows kind of like do that so i just i kind of like wrote it off as like i i guess we'll do that i'm a little i'm sad though that because he's one of my favorite characters and we just kind of like erased him <laughs> yeah i don't know well on the other side eugene cordero did get to do some really cool acting in this episode because of all the different molds yeah. on his implant and uh, get to play different versions of Rutherford, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> I, I wanted to sc- go back, screen cap all of the different modes and like see which modes he has, like because there might be some really fun stuff hidden in there, but I didn't have a chance to yeah, go we, do that. Yeah, we missed bro mode. Uh, that's <laughs> one of the ones I saw. Uh, that's fun. <laughs> sexy think, mode. You know, he had that thing he was trying to, because didn't he first say he was like trying to mess with his attitude adjustment or something? But then one panel came off right. and he's like, oh, a new button. I just wondered what that panel was too. Like if that had some, I, think, I don't know. I think it was like it was an easy dial so he could get through stuff really quickly and get to the uh, setting he wanted. But when the dial came off, he only had a button on the inside, <laughs> which meant he had to manually switch through like 50 <laughs> modes to get to the normal one again there was no way to go back so that's how i read it yeah oh man well let's let's move on to talk about the senior officers this is one episode by the way where i feel like a lot of the senior officers got as much development as some of our main characters which is weird to say given how short (laughs) the episode is and um captain freeman what was your what was your take on captain freeman in this episode i think she's a smart captain like she, you know, I mean, she immediately assessed what happened with the solving and was able to prevent that from happening to the Cerritos. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, th- I think the whole episode really, I don't know. I thought it was a, I thought it was a good Captain Freeman episode. Um, yeah, I agree. As far as, uh, and, and it showed that she actually has some willingness to think outside the box, but she's allowed herself to be kind of reined in because of what she feels is placed upon her expectation wise mm-hmm. as a yeah. captain. But um, she recognizes the need to kind of be outside of that. And so maybe it kind of they set the stage for her embracing that in the next season. But. I mean, she's she's a champion now of improving Starfleet from within in making sure that second contacts and continuing observation of um, species that have been made contact with don't sort of degenerate into into dangers or something that's that and she's called it out as something that starfleet does not have clear policies on and she sort of recruited her daughter um in that in that endeavor so it's it's almost like um again starfleet's not perfect here or they're just you know um exploratory and looking at first contact and and widening um their 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 reach and their knowledge but not so much in maintaining the goodness that has been um created so that that sounds that sounds exciting 
We also found out Captain Freeman Day, a la Captain Picard Day, exists on the Cerritos, even though we've not seen any children on the ship yet. Uh, and let's want to talk about Ransom, who, man, the writers can't decide with Ransom, like, what he's supposed to be, whether he's this, like, person that we should be kind of looking at, like, haha, oh, Ransom, you're such a funny dude, or he's, like, a serious creep. Like, I, I don't know, it's, he has moments that he fluctuates in between the two. And I I, I wish they'd pick one. <laughs> I kind of wish they would just take away the super gross stuff. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, that, that all the hard stuff. I mean, I understand that was supposed to be funny and I might have laughed a little bit, but then like watching it the second, but, but like I stopped laughing. I mm-hmm. can't remember if I laughed, but I was like, wait, that's super gross. If anyone ever said that to me, I would not think that was funny. And or said that to someone that I was standing with, I would not think that was funny. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like when I went back and watched, um, oh, what's that movie you love? Zoolander. Um, <laughs> you know, I thought Zoolander was hilarious. I went back and watched it a couple years ago. I was so mad. <laughs> yeah, it did not. Hold so, up some for movies me. <laughs> are best left in our uh, in our imaginations. Yeah, uh, you know, it's like <laughs> like I'm just I'm just done with the nasty comments being made to women. <laughs> so I'm just like, and it's yeah. it's almost like if he doesn't. Not to this point, if he doesn't, if they don't pick a side for him, it's almost like they're softly condoning that switching. Like, hey, good people can have this weird um, side to them where they just say things and they're nice on the inside, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. it's it's kind of weird. Well, like that's just ransom. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess, uh, yeah, I think to, to your point, like, it, we could still have a lot of the same, like, uh, jokes or 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 fun poked at the character if he didn't go quite that far. Like we could still do the, the lame uh, Barcelona uh, visit and, and like <laughs> the yeah. playing guitar and, and like, he could still like do like a, attempted hitting on people, yeah. but like, but like it could be a more kind of innocent and not like implied, like, cause it, in some episodes, like he seems like it wouldn't be that much of a stretch for him to like have some date rape drugs or whatever that he, that he uses, which I, I can't imagine that they're going to like actually do something like that in no. an episode, but, but like, they, like, yeah, it, they, they're creating a character that is so creepy, but that we don't examine that it's, yeah, I, I'm just, f- I'm a little uncertain about it. He's the first officer, right? Like, yeah, there's, he, he could be up, like he's in, he's in an emergency success succession plan to take care of the ship. Yeah, there's no way he can have these loose traits, right? So it's it's yeah. they need to decide and they need to shut that down. Right, season. right, and I think I think we saw with Riker the ability to be a little bit of like a romantic or like you know a hottie on the ship without being a creep, which is I think the line that they need to toe just a little bit better in my opinion. And I think if he wasn't a creep, say that line that you bumped on. Emily, that would seem more like an inept joke rather than kind of a creep being creepy. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think the other thing about Ransom that we we figured out in this is Troy says that he has an ocean of insecurity. <laughs> that is that is what's being covered. He's a pathetic little fly in amber, which I wanted to ask you all about because I don't understand that metaphor, like what, what that means and why he got so upset at it. Yeah, like, I, I didn't know, like, maybe it's, uh, maybe he's been second in command for a really long time. I, I wasn't sure, but, like, isn't, yeah, I, I I wasn't quite sure what, 
uh, exactly that meant. Besides, like, oh, flying ember. Like now, I'm thinking about Jurassic Park. Jurassic <laughs> Park. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I wish the camera had panned down on him when he was doing squats, though, because I bet he doesn't go ass to grass and like actually do a full squat. <laughs> I bet he like just goes like to the ninety degrees and comes straight back up, or like less than that, and he can't finish a squat properly but you know respect for the guy actually having a squat rack in in his office disrespect for not for taking his clothes off in front of people uh, who are his subordinates dude come on so see this is the kind of thing like it's like there could be a funny joke here just by itself but because he's creepy yeah. it just influences everything else all those funny jokes become just a little bit less funny because you think yeah. about the creepiness and i wish they did just take that away well, and we could even go, like, uh, harder into, like, TNG uh, styles and, like, where he has to wear, like, weird leotards in order to, like, do his workouts, like, in the uh, the jazzercise gym or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, we need to see some men in that rather than just women. Yeah, right? for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Tana meows. That was <laughs> <laughs> amazing. They, they bring Freeman and injured into the sick bed. She's like, meow? <laughs> <laughs> It was it was it was good. It was authentic. It was like emergency. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and man, her line about Shaxus, <laughs> I'd like to snag that pajaran beef stick with my coital. Coital. <laughs> oh my god, that might be the most sexually explicit thing Star Trek has ever included, and I did not need it, but damn that's what uh, her character is here for right <laughs> holy crap and why would you go through the da- daughter of the captain like what's going on there? <laughs> yeah. seriously i want more i want a centric episode though I th- we said this last time where we want a night of, i said i want a night at the sick bay with her and i i really need that now she is so fantastic <laughs> poor shax is blown apart on the yeah. best day of his life Perhaps this is a good day to die. Today is a good day to die. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I know he's not Klingon, but he definitely has Worf-like tendencies. 100%. Oh, for sure. And he finally got to do what he wanted to, right? Mm-hmm. Something crazy, heroic, shouting, um, having his way and saving the day. Yeah, I loved I, his hang in there, baby bear. <laughs> <laughs> well, and well, also the, the remembrance of... Uh, uh, with, like oh he he's he's out there somewhere like uh, ejecting warp cores and blowing right. up the nation right, or something right. like that with the prophets yeah <laughs> the baby bear line was a reference to the second episode when uh, Rutherford was going through and trying mm-hmm. all the different uh, jobs to see to see what job uh, was a good fit with Tendy's schedule <laughs> man I I like when you were describing it I was like oh yeah that episode happened oh my god that was like. Seven years ago, <laughs> um, there's there's a, a quick shot of Shaxx's handing a with a gift in his hand that he's prepared for Mariner. And I, I asked y'all before we recorded to help me identify what it was. It's, it looks like a batleth. Congratulations, mm-hmm. Adam, for noticing that right away. Billup, speaking of gifts for Mariner, brings hand pies, which are a thing <laughs> to replicate that people do, apparently. And he looks so sad when she didn't take him. Like, he was, like, dejected. Dude has, yeah, like, an it's... emotional hair trigger. Like, it is. It is hardcore. Stone Cold badass, kind of, maybe. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> let's, so, so let's talk about the backlids. This was another sh- point where the show made a complete meta reference to itself. 
This doesn't make any sense. The backlids aren't this powerful. I thought the backlids were kind of a joke. Hey, so did we. <laughs> so what What did y'all... We, we've talked a little bit about this, but... Uh, and and our, our feelings about the backlids showing up. But what do you think of the backlids as they were portrayed in this episode? I've I've never really got that... I mean, that contradiction in how you could, you know, actually be intellectually challenged and also deceive um, entire ships into, into, into sort of pillaging them and then doing that again and again. So I, I never got that contradiction. Um, I mean, I, I kind of like the fact that I, it was funny, their whole slow beaming over, right? Like they're beaming over for like five, ten seconds, <laughs> like not showing up. And then it gave it gave some of the best, um, I think, almost realistic fight scenes in in the season, right? Uh, I, I like yeah, ex fight excellent scenes. double hand punches and yeah. <laughs> sides like. Um, um, but but yeah, I, I, I guess I, I I never really got that contradiction. Maybe we want to speak about that from the original um, episode around the packlets, but it doesn't make sense to me. What do you guys think? Like, how could you be intellectually challenged and also sort of... Well, like, I, mean, it, I think every ship is long. the Enterprise. Yeah. Is that? You know, oh, Enterprise. Well, we're not the Enterprise. We're the Cerritos, you know? And then when the Titan comes, oh, another Enterprise. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, there's such a weird paradox. Maybe yeah. they could have done better, not just the, is the conclusion. Like, they could have picked... I, I don't think it was critical to the whole episode because if you had replaced them with... Um, you know, a silhouetted villain who was doing the exact same thing, it would have still held the um, the core, you know, construct of the episode. But yeah. I think, I mean, they are somewhat how, like, the ancient Romans saw their enemies, right? They saw them as, like, basically barbarian brutes who just, like, were kind of slow and, and just were still somehow very devious. And, like, they, they, they could have these, mm. like, dichotomous ways that they they manifested itself and i think this is one of those tv things it's like it gave us a great tng episode because that that they're they're kind of they were deceptively like uh friendly but and you didn't assume that they were going to be devious so i think the same kind of thing here and it's i yeah it's their whole like i i think you know you mentioned earlier like no one noticed that they've been like destroying a whole bunch of starships and like stealing their technology like a hundred ships if you do the math right 30 per ship but yeah it's so it's it's kind of funny that 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 kind of happened but uh i i will say i did enjoy seeing them back um let's talk about the the expansion of the world of trek that this episode gave us give us the uss solvang for like a half second uh did you all catch was that also a Cali class ship. I didn't yeah, see. Yeah, and I I looked up the, the Solvang uh, is a town. Yeah, it's in California. Where, yeah, it's where? like a it's like a Danish town or something in California. It's kind of in central California. It's it's like you know it's a fun place to go to if you're driving through California. You have you know good bakeries and it's kind of a I mean they kind of have made it a tourist place. Uh huh. But. Well, and and in another version of real life manifesting in. In Star Trek, we had Wolf 359 truthers who also believe that changelings <laughs> yeah. aren't real and the Dominion War didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the next scene, bad selfies. 
Oh um, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, it, and yeah. It, like sort of an an implied like don't post that. Like there there must be some sort of like social feed that everyone is posting things on or whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was pretty fun. Uh, we had TOS made canon <laughs> as those old scientists. Seems like they were stumbling on crazy new aliens every week back then. <laughs> Uh, and this, and Freeman <laughs> called them legacy civilizations, which I think was a little too meta for me, but still. <laughs> um, yeah. And well, and we we even had the um, I mean I, I don't know if it's exactly expansion of the world of Trek, but uh, it, they use the, the 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 animated series as the image yeah. for them yeah. in the pad, which was fun. Which yeah. which and and Beta Three showed up in the actual original series, not yes. the animated series, so <laughs> it was kind right. of a, 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 a mashup. Right. Multiple. What do y'all think of the exocomps coming back in? Sucks to be organic. <laughs> so, so where do we leave off with the exocomps? They were they were declared as sentient and they, mm -hmm. they couldn't, couldn't be used as help. And from there till now, not are they only sentient, but now they're a part of the Federation and they're Starfleet officers. That, that's a big leap, no? I mean, it, well, I don't, I don't know that it's crazy that uh, when you decide that something's sentient, that it they can then have like because that was part of um, uh, the determination that Riker was a or not Riker <laughs> that uh, Data was a person uh, is that like it was okay like he can make his own decisions about like where he is assigned. So, and even before he was determined to be a person, he could go to uh, Starfleet Academy and like he held rank and things like that. So, like uh once once we decided that that was okay for the that you you couldn't use them as slave labor like uh and? it seems like there's precedent for them kind of being able to be a captain or whatever mm -hmm. individualistic precedents but but not necessarily as a species because there's a lot of sentient species that don't make their way into the federation and are not serving as starfleet officers right so well but that was a federation outpost or hmm. i'm trying to remember the background of that episode now quality of life it was because yeah. it it, like uh, if if it was federation space then they would have ah uh, uh, okay so they're new citizens that have been now incorporated were always there okay. yeah but I, I i can't remember exactly and, and that episode also dealt with basically an exocom being asked to do something difficult um and and being treated like a machine or a sentient mm -hmm. organization or organization organism <laughs> we had the Luna class USS Titan show up. Emily, you mentioned the the Titan novels. That's basically from everything I've read. People are saying that the no, the no, Titan looks exactly like it does in the novels, basically. And they were wearing the old uh, mm -hmm. TNG movie uniforms, mm -hmm. uh, which so it turns out the different ships, much like Discovery, different ships have different uniforms of the people serving on them. And we also found out that Riker hooks Mariner up with contraband and i think <laughs> the way that i understood the line at the end he said that freeman was his chadich yeah yeah so it's kind of like a mariner boimler relationship maybe yeah uh so that's kind of interesting uh as well uh but anyway we, we've talked a bunch about Riker already i will uh give you a few pieces of quick trivia Riker mentions that he's back in the holodeck as part of the NX-1, and he yeah, makes a reference yeah. to... The... I was watching for the old school Enterprise now. <laughs> yeah, uh, so he still does that. He's like, one and a two and a three and a warp, <laughs> oh, jazz <goodness>. warping. 
did, did you guys get that he actually kind of quoted the OST intro for Enterprise? It took oh, yeah. a long oh, way yeah, to get yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. They took what a long time s- getting from the here. The, <laughs> there to here there. Yeah, like, uh, it's, it's like uh, also... What are you, some kind of astronauts and some kind of Star Trek? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, much like that one. Uh, the shuttle had a bunch of stuff drawn on it. Did y'all mm-hmm. notice that? Mm-hmm. I don't understand where that came from. It was it was, uh, it was the Lower Decks characters. They were drawn on there. Mm-hmm. And it said Sequoia. Mm-hmm. But I, I I didn't get that I reference. So I, Is I, that the, that's their hangout. Yeah. yeah it was, I thought and it was I, one in I the well, now I'm going to just like mention something that I saw on the internet and not give attribution to the person who did it. But I saw on Reddit, someone had posted a uh, screen caps of uh, several of the episodes and you can actually see the uh, Sequoia in the background. And it's slow- over time, it slowly gets more and more modifications. They, for several um. episodes, they also like forget what type of shuttle they're supposed to be drawing. So like there's a couple of mistakes, but... Um, it might also just be the way that Star Trek sometimes screws around with the shuttles, like Voyager's endless shuttle supply, and, and mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you know they just had different versions everywhere. But yeah, it, it it at least it has been shown up several times. So that I I did appreciate that they kind of uh, instead of having it just be the Deus Ex Machina or whatever, like we have been, it has been present the whole time, and we've been yeah. sort of laying the groundwork for it. We saw Chief Lundy again, the racist towards Orion. Uh, and uh, after f- several times in the series, we've had like sentient trash bag. And I forget like something about like goo or tar or something early yeah. in, in season. They, they mentioned this black thing that killed uh, Tasha Yara a bunch. And it's mentioned by name this time. The Armus is the, is the black goop mm. that uh, killed Tasha Yara. And by the way, did y'all catch Picard sitting at the helm of the Cerritos? I've got a little picture in the notes, but it's wearing an engineering yellow uniform. But that's that's Jean-Luc Picard, right? Like, that has to be a reference to... Uh, it looks almost exactly like Patrick Stewart used to in the in the, in the the series, TNG series. But uh, anyway, uh, a couple of other quick notes on some of the actors. Lauren Lapkus was in this episode. And this blows me away because she is super cool. Uh, comedian who's been in a bunch of she she was a, one of the uh, prison officers in Orange and the New Black. She was in Jurassic World. She's done a whole bunch of stuff. Very cool actress and comedian. Uh, she was the voice of Jen, the Andorian officer, <laughs> for one line <laughs> off like off quote unquote camera. But like it's uh, anyway that was super cool to see her. Echo Kellum was in this episode. He um, is a actor who has done uh, work on Arrow. He's Curtis Holt, and um, uh, the, on the Arrow series, he showed up in this episode. And then you had Ryan Ridley, who's a writer on Rick and Morty and a bunch of other things. He he provided a voice. You had Marin Dungey, who's the uh, in the first episode of Picard. She's the reporter who's interviewing Picard. Uh, she shows up at, in, in, as the first officer of the Solvang. You had Kether Donahue, who's a uh, singer and an actress. She was the acapella leader in Alice and Pitch Perfect. She's in this episode providing a voice. So, like, they've been wow. able to get some really cool actors in as the, the kind of background voices uh, in the series. Also, I'll mention that the voice of, um, of Captain Dayton is the voice of Dr. Ta'ana, 
which is Gil- Gil- Gillian Vigman. So, so she provided mm. both those those voices as well. So, and uh, Fred Tadaskiri, who I hope that they bring back, he plays Shaxes, was the voice of Landru as well. I was going to say, oh, I wait. think he's done several voices throughout the series. Yeah. So that makes me yeah. think they're not getting rid of the actor. Uh, they'll they'll use him in other ways, I think. And that and and uh, the actor who does Boimler, Jack Quaid, also did some of those like Beta Three people voices as well mm-hmm. as they're walking away. So he was some of them. Anyway, let's uh, let's we were running a little late, so let's be let's be kind of brief with this. But let's get into our strange new ratings. Who wants to stick their neck out first? I'll go. I will give this episode seven point five. Backlit ships out of 10, which actually means probably like 7,000 poor ships. But um, but yeah, so good stuff in the sense, um, setting us up for interesting things to come in the next season, right? The Boimler uh, Mariner disconnect. Um, direction for uh, uh, Captain Freeman to do something to change uh, Starfleet for the better. Um, but then some kind of you know weird things around um the exocom and and just how the backlords were uh in, you know led be and and the big the big mega villains at the end of uh, uh opening season so yeah 7.5 um so i i think i'll i'll go next uh for me um i really started feeling uh in this episode the a, a bit of fatigue of like self-referencing and like fan service and, and whatnot <laughs> i i think maybe that's just a sign like this is a great point or this is a great reason why we only have uh super short seasons in in tv shows now like uh i'm i'm a little bit tired of some of the stuff that's happened in uh in lower decks and so it's a perfect time for us to just end this end the season <laughs> i'll come back in in x number of months or years and be ready for season two um so i uh, with, with that in mind, I, I think I'm probably going to give this a um, a seven. There's not like a, a particular thing that I can point to it that I I don't like besides the the Titan. But I, and I can and I still got funny moments out of it. I I still enjoy the episode overall. Um, it's just uh, I don't know. It, it it didn't quite do it for me. Um, but as always, I enjoy talking about it. So <laughs> there we go. So you want me to go? I, oh, I just am going to defy you all. I was going to give this a five out of five, except I'm going to ding it and make it a 4.9 because of Ransom being gross. um, Fair, fair. But because, you know, when I was watching this episode, I actually was nervous along with characters. I was kind Mm. of a little tense, like, oh my gosh, are they going to have this be like a season ender where we're like left going oh my gosh this ship is being carved up you know like mm-hmm. i actually was feeling the emotions that the characters were feeling um and so and i don't know that i felt that as much in previous episodes this season so i i think this was my yeah, favorite right episode there. of lower decks um i i'm just always gonna love Riker <laughs> and troy i just i can't help it i love them and so i'm always glad to see them and i loved the tng music when it came through i just thought that was hilarious i felt like this while it did talk about um i mean it did do the fan service hearkening back to things it didn't do it in the list form that it has so many times before mm-hmm. in the past so it didn't feel like it was trying to cram it in as much mm-hmm. um I felt like it was just really explicit. Like it was explicit. We were at 
beta three and or was that that's what yeah 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 we are at beta three with landry i mean that's a pretty explicit that's not you know trying to and and we have you know a very explicit reference with with Riker and deanna or Riker and troy coming in so um in that sense i didn't feel like it was um like let's see how many references we can get Mm -hmm, in it was mm -hmm. just like we're just gonna have these pretty obvious ones but i don't know i really enjoyed this episode so nice I, I will give it an 8 out of 10 as well. For many of the same reasons you have, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good way to end the season. It does. Uh, one of the things I enjoyed about most about it was that I don't have to be like, what's going to happen with this really important cliffhanger? It annoys the yeah. heck out of me when shows do that. <laughs> I don't like season cliffhangers. so Especially uh, right now when so much is uncertain in the world. Right. I want some things ni- nicely tied up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Boimler walking out of his quarters while Mariner screaming, great way to end the season. I'm okay. Uh, so that so that so that was great. I will give it an eight out of ten again. It'll be fun to think of watch this season again and see if all my ratings have been internally consistent. Probably not. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but with that, thank you, Adam. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Rudy, for being here with me today. Thank you, Dynamax and Bill, wherever you are, uh, having fun. I hope. And thank you, listener, for showing up yet again. Uh, don't forget to follow us on on social media. Thank you, Jishnu Guha, who recorded our theme music. We always appreciate uh, the work he's done. And you can listen to his podcast, Geek Fruit, if you so choose. And I want to give a special thanks here to the Exocoms. Just for coming back and like putting us out of our misery in terms of wondering what had happened to them. You know, they show up once and then you never hear from them again. It's nice to see that they're doing okay. And maybe some of them have a chip on their shoulder about how their parents have treated them. So, you know, good for you, Exocoms. Thank you for coming back. All right, everybody, we'll be back next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.